Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. My guest today on Song of the Soul is Savannah Ray. Savannah chose the name she now carries, just as she self-examined and has chosen to be the person she is in other ways. Raised Methodist, she is currently a member of Unity Christ Center in Eau Claire. Welcome, Savannah, to Song of the Soul. Thank you. Savannah, is that your name all the way from birth, or did you have some part in choosing it? I partly think that with a name like Savannah, you should be speaking with a southern accent, and you don't seem to do that. Well, actually, Savannah is my chosen name. I changed it only legally about three years ago, but I started using it about ten years ago. My birth name is Tammy Kersenlor, and the question that people always ask me along with that is, what did your parents think? My father had already passed when I changed my name, And I told my mom, driving up a dirt road to where I was going to school at the Hartwood Institute, I had spent an entire week with her, and finally I was getting to this place where I was going to need to spend time with my mom, where people would be calling me Savannah. I said, there's one more thing. And I told her, and she said, oh, okay, Savannah. And that was that. And I worried probably about seven years about (laughs) I was going to tell my mom, so... I asked you that because I had this intuition that it might be a chosen name. Having chosen my family name myself when Sandra and I got married, why did you choose Savannah? I figured that has important connections for you and is part of your spiritual journey. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I liked the name Savannah because it's a softer name, doesn't have that strong E sound that Tammy does, and it's a longer name. I liked both those qualities, but I also like the imagery that goes along with Savannah as being an open plain. My spiritual symbol is a tree, so a Savannah has sparse trees. But I like the fact that an oak savanna, the tree is in wide open. And you can see clearly that that is a tree. Where does the Ray part of your name come from? And it's spelled R-H-A-E. Why Ray as part of your chosen name? Well, it started out with Ray sounded good with savanna. At first, when I changed my name, I didn't know if I wanted to change just my first name or my whole name. And one day I realized that women change their names every day of the year. And why not change it to something that had meaning to me? And actually, I started with Ra, R-A, which is a sun god. And I really liked the imagery that goes along with that of just radiating outwards And then I realized that Ray sounded good um, with Savannah and just putting the two together. So Savannah being wide open or in open view and then the Ray or radiating. I liked the mix and I really felt or I feel as if both are qualities of my soul and it just feels like who I am. I think there must be part of you which is a little bit contrary too. Because I know for myself, when Sandra and I were choosing our family name, one of the issues that we had to consider was ease of spelling, because you've got to tell people your name all the time. And you chose a last name that is not intuitive for folks. So am I right in naming this part that isn't going to be corralled and put in a box? You got it. Actually, I have a great story. There was a gentleman, a potential landlord of mine, probably about five years ago, And he asked me where my name came from. He was searching for ethnic background. And it was an interesting conversation because he had already identified that I was perhaps a bit of a wild spirit. And when he asked me this question, I thought, there's no way I'm getting this place. So I just looked at him and I gleamed a big smile and I said, why, that comes from the cosmos. And there was a big elephant pause, and he said, Isn't that nice? (laughs) I didn't get the place. (laughs) Your description of why you chose certain parts of your name makes it clear that you're very tuned to aesthetics, aesthetics of sound in particular. What's your history of connection with music, since this is your song of the soul we're going through here today? Hmm, that's a great question. My father actually was a musician. He played the accordion. And interestingly, I've never heard him play because he cut off some fingers of his in a corn picker. But I get my musical, I think, background and much of my creativity from my father. Growing up, I was in band and chorus and much like many creative people, those were what I went to school for. My mom always wanted me to go into a vocal career, and I just never wanted to. And it wasn't until very recently that I realized that 
the reason I never wanted to is because when it comes to music, I really don't like to perform. It's more an outcropping of of my soul, much of which you'll see with the first song, Prayer of St. Francis, that it's a way for me to communicate or express the divine through me. You mentioned your first song, Prayer of St. Francis. How were you raised religiously, and is Prayer of St. Francis part of that background? No, it's not. I was raised in a little country Methodist church. Luckily, I was not indoctrinated with any real strong religious beliefs. Church was more about a time to get together with family. It was a farming community that I grew up in. Lots of potlucks. So I consider myself lucky of getting through my adolescence without strong indoctrinations. I really feel like my entire life up until this point has been culminating for me to get the message of this song, which to me is live a life of service, that if we are truly to be fulfilled, we need to give and give of ourselves and give of the Creator through us. What I like about this version of the song in particular, the mandolin is just enchanting. When did you get exposed to this song and to the prayer of St. Francis? I had certainly heard the prayer of St. Francis long before I heard this version, but I think it was this actual version that grabbed me. I had been involved with a book study in the Course in Miracles. There was a lesson in there that just bugged me to no end. One of the students, Warren Barberg, in there one day was saying to me, basically was telling me to get over myself, and I was really into personal growth work at this time and <laughs> and filled with angst and just did not understand how it was that I was to get over myself so that I could heal. So Warren said to me, you need to give if you are to live a fulfilled life. It was just such a bizarre notion to me because I remember at the time I was quite depressed, and I just did not have the energy to give, mostly because I was exhausted from trying to give what I thought the world wanted of me, not truly giving of my soul, but fulfilling a duty. Luckily, I was broken down by the Holy Spirit, brought to my knees, and later learned what it is to give. That's a beautiful intro to Prayer of St. Francis, here done by James Twyman.
you mentioned that part of this opening for you was learning about service being so important to being on the path of spirit. What kind of service do you find yourself doing in the world? I believe that part of my genius lies in creativity and emotional intelligence and also around death and dying. When my father passed, it was a really ecstatic experience for me. Now, I think I was also manic during this time, but in addition to that, it was very opening to me. When my father passed, I was holding his hand and called my family around, and I said, you know, I think this is it. I remember at that time the hospice nurse said to me a few days earlier, you seem to be a real natural with this. She asked me if I was a nurse like my sister, and I said, oh, no. And there's good reason for that because I really don't like blood and guts and ugh. So about 10 years ago, I was really open to how beautiful death can be and fully aware that it's not like that for a lot of people. Around that same time, I was introduced to the work of Stephen Levine, the Buddhist scholar that teaches about being present with people and particularly being present with people around death and how that can be an easeful, enlightening, healing, and forgiving time. I work as a personal care worker out at Grace Willowbrook, which is an assisted living facility, and there was a woman there who was on hospice, and her family just invited me in and let me be a part of her passing. And what was wonderful about that for me was I was able to incorporate my body working skills, the skills that I had acquired in learning how to presence people, and again, draw on these skills that the hospice nurse first identified. And since then, I've been promoted as a chaplain assistant at the Severson Home, which is a nursing home through the Grace Lutheran Foundation. I feel so fortunate to be working with this population and Death is just such a beautiful part of life. If a person can just be present with another, there's just enormous spaciousness for healing. I want to move on to your second song, God's Cricket Chorus. It's quite an amazing song. And it's an amazing song in that it's actually, there are no human voices, that the song, only song you're hearing is that of real crickets. Did you want to say some words about this cricket chorus? I mean, people are going to listen to it, and they're going to say there's human voices in there, but that isn't the case. Well, the reason I chose this song is because when I was at school for somatic therapy, I had an experience of actually hearing the sound of silence. Prior to that, I didn't really realize that there was a sound of silence, and it opened me in such a way, I think it really opened my consciousness to nature. Now, what I love about this song is that it is just the slowing down of, I believe the crickets make their sound by rubbing their hind legs together. So it's just slowing down the sound wave. And it's a symphony. I just think that's so integral to really getting what nature has to teach us is in the slowing down Let's listen to some of that in nature. 
The song is all crickets. Some of the crickets are normal speed and some of them are slowed down. So it appears there's different voices, but it's all crickets. This recording is done by Constance Stemby. God's Cricket Chorus. All crickets were the music in that piece. The next song is If You Were in Love with Yourself by Marianne Kreitlow. Have you had trouble particularly learning to love yourself? Part of the great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, and a lot of people don't realize that there's at least two people in that loving. Well, I so appreciate that you bring up the commandment because... I spent years mired in self-help books before I really listened to that commandment and realized that in order to love your neighbor, you need to love yourself. And at some point, I don't remember when that was, but I began to pray for the know-how to learn how to love myself. You know, I would <laughs> I teach self-help, so it's rather amusing to me that I needed to leave self-help in order to learn this lesson. And I really believe that it's through prayer that this lesson was given to me. And again, it wasn't until I was brought to my knees and realized that there is nothing prideful about loving oneself. It's merely the way it needs to be in order to live a life of service. That's a deep truth. Is this song by Marianne going to help get us there? And who is Marianne? Marianne and her husband lead workshops for different New Thought churches. And she came to Unity Christ Center, where I attend church, and led a workshop. This particular workshop was on writing poetry. And I had never been to a poetry writing workshop, and I loved the service. And so I decided to attend. And partway into the workshop, she said, Savannah? If you lived closer to me, we would be friends. And I said, well, where do you live? And she just lives over the hill in Minnesota. And I said, well, why is a little distance stopping us? And she looked at me and she said, okay, let's be friends. (laughs) And thus started our friendship. What I love about this song is that I think it's a delightful song that It's nonsensical. You know, it says things like, 
Would you eat shredded wheat on fine satin sheets? Well, who would put those two things together? Or run up a hill to get close to a star? And I think that the song just puts fire under the child that's within each of us. Creativity, I believe, is our essence. It's our way of being. And that through the enculturating experience of growing up, that's kind of beaten out of us. But it's in us if we just will listen to that whimsy deep inside of us, you know, that I think wants to eat cookies in bed and there's no box in this song. <laughs> We're getting outside the box. We're going to listen to Marianne Kretlow performing a song with her partner, If You Were in Love with Yourself.
Tell me about your next song that you've chosen, Ancient Springtime. The song Ancient Springtime, what speaks to me about this song is, first of all, I, I love the man's voice who's speaking in it, but he says several times in talking about spirit that spirit says, you must await the winds of the ancient springtime. To me, what that says is that there's a time and a season for everything, and things will be birthed when they're ripe and ready to be birthed. The link for me between my upbringing in the Methodist Church and my college education and my travels through paganism and into new thought, the link in all of those, which I do attribute to my early upbringing, is love, is learning that God is love. What I love about New Thought is that at Unity we're taught that there's one power and one presence, God the Good, Omnipotent. And I was lucky enough to be raised believing that that was true. It wasn't put like that in the Methodist theology, but basically I was taught to be a good person and help out your neighbor. My parents were amazing examples of that. In college, I think that had there been a degree that wasn't called ministerial school, <laughs> um, I think it would have been a natural fit for me. Reverend Connie tried to get me to go into ministry, but at that time I thought that that meant I couldn't like boys. And so, as you can imagine, I ran like hell. <laughs> but I really think that from early on, Spirit was calling me to ministry or in my case, chaplaincy work. We're listening here to Savannah Ray's Song of the Soul. It's her fourth song. It's called Ancient Springtime. It's by David Tovey.
disguised as lover, desire of God. I became lost to all, save her sweet embrace. She removed her cloak, I said, Oh, warm breeze, please stay. Her reply, Trample your mask underfoot, then wait. She knew my tears of longing for God, but I heard, You must await the wind of ancient springtime.
Savannah, it was refreshing to me to have you say earlier that your way to self-help was by leaving self-help. I think a lot of people don't get that and stay mired for many decades. How long were you in the process before you found your way to actually achieve that next stage of healing? Probably about 14 or 15 years. I remember a turning point when I was at school for somatic therapy, and I lived out in Northern California, this beautiful residential massage school, and soon I would be finished. We were going around our circle, checking in, and when it came to me, I just said, I am so goddamn sick of myself. And my teacher smiled and said, good, you're ready. And I was like, listen here. You. <laughs> well, I do believe that was a turning point for me that I just really needed to get fed up with, you know, all this process work and get over myself. Now, it was probably a year or two after that, maybe even three, that I really feel like I was able to let go of the angst of needing to understand it all because I really think that's the key that I had to let go of trying to understand it all and control it all. The other thing that has been integral to getting over myself has been prayer and realizing that in the stillness there are answers and I don't need to understand it all, but if I follow that guidance, I'm never without the divine and who I am. This is leading up on my part to your next song, Thank You for Hearing Me. There's a certain flow to this song, and I'm wondering if the end of the song isn't what you were just saying. Mm -hmm. This song is about relationship. Sinead O'Connor is a phenomenal artist, and so much of what she writes is simple and you'll hear in this song that it builds and it builds and it builds to the ending. But what I love about this song is that it starts out with, thank you for hearing me. What a beautiful gift that is to truly hear another person, to let go of needing to change or fix, rescue another person, but to truly hear another person is a gift in and of itself. And she builds in the song with, thank you for hearing me, thank you for loving me, for seeing me. And then it's the next level, which is, thank you for not leaving me. And that, I think, is a choice point in relationship of, okay, I can see that you've got some ugly parts because they're starting to irritate me. <laughs> And then realizing, oh, no, maybe I got some ugly parts, too. And of course I do. I'm human. The part, it's in middle song that really I love. She says, thank you for not hurting me. So not only does the person have the ability to stay present, but to not cause any more pain, you know, and to allow all the aspects of me. The true beauty of this song, though, is in the end, which I think speaks for itself when it says, thank you for tearing me apart. And I think the best of our relationships do this, but they do it when there's healing involved with the tearing apart. 
I think the tearing apart is integral and that our heart grows when it breaks free. And so the breaking apart that I'm thinking of is not when someone does something to hurt you, but when someone does something in their life that hurts, but they're simply living their life. They're not doing it with any ill intentions. They're just being who they are. But staying with that and returning to the, the beginning of the song, Thank You for Hearing Me, staying present in that tearing apart is where the heart breaks open and relationships grow and God lives in greater aspects of loving. Let's listen to Sinead O'Connor telling it herself. The song is Thank You for Hearing Me. 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 Thank you for love. 
listening to Savannah Ray's Song of the Soul. That was Thank You for Hearing Me by Sinead O'Connor. Savannah, I think I'm going to tell you a little Quaker joke in order to lead up to your next song, because we're talking about this place of silence out of which something comes. Quaker meeting for worship is essentially an hour of silence, and so this guy who doesn't know anything about Quakers comes to Quaker meeting. He sits down and everybody's just sitting there quietly, and he keeps checking his watch, figuring things got to start up pretty soon, you know, when's the order of service, all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes into it, nothing's happened from his point of view, and he leans over to the guy who's sitting next to him, and he says, so when does the service start? And the response from the person is, when the worship ends. Which leads me to your next song, Fired Up, by Holly Near. Yes. Well, at Unity, we have five guiding principles and our fifth principle is love in action that it's not enough to know something but that we need to take it to the streets that's what I love about this song it's speaking about well fired up we're not going to take it no more and the importance of taking our convictions taking them to the streets, to our politicians, to our churches, to our schools, and making a difference. And when I'm ready and fired up, and I take that first step, that's when change occurs. We're going to listen to a song by Holly Near here that'll take our breath away. It's called Fired Up, but do your best to keep breathing in the meantime. Fired up, ain't gonna take it no more. Tied up, ain't gonna take it no more. You say cool down, we say step down. You're breaking my mother's heart. Fired up, ain't gonna take it no more. Tied. 
ain't gonna take it no more You say cool down, we say step down You're breaking my mother's heart Shame, shame, shame. Children need schools more than they need jails And that's where our society fails First seven years creates a child's foundation Mandatory for a healthy nation And we're fired up, ain't gonna take it no more Tied up, ain't gonna take it no more You say cool down, we say step down You're breaking my mother's heart Shame, shame, How could we forget that the children come first? We left them alone and they died of thirst Mothers and fathers confused and forlorn And when the children are missing, well, there's something wrong We're fired up, ain't gonna take it no more Tied up, ain't gonna take it no more You say cool down, we say step down You're breaking my mother's heart Shame, shame, shame Can't just focus on the kids with wealth Can't pick and choose who gets the health care Take another look at the great divide It looks dangerous, we say we're on a genocide We're fired up, ain't gonna take it no more Tied up, ain't gonna take it no more You say cool down, we say step down You're breaking my mother's heart Fired up, ain't gonna take it no more Tied up, ain't gonna take it no more You say cool down, we say step down You're breaking my mother's heart Shame, shame, ain't gonna take it no more Tied up, ain't gonna take it no more You say cool down, we say step down You're breaking another mother's heart Break another heart Savannah, we've come to the last song of your song of the soul Bristlecone Pine. What's it about? Bristlecone Pine is about a person coming to the end of their life, having lived a full life. There's a line in there that says, there's no way to tell whether I'm going to heaven or hell. The songwriter goes on to say that he'd like to be laid at the feet of the Bristlecone Pine. Now, the Bristlecone Pine is this wonderful tree that grows in real dry climates and because of the wind, is often a very gnarled tree, very twisted and knotted and beautiful. This man says, I'd like to be laid at the feet of the bristlecone pine. He talks about how the ashes are spread at the roots of this tree, how over time the tree partakes in the nourishment of these ashes, and that there is indeed a peace that still lingers on through this tree. I just think that's a beautiful image. I don't have any delusions, I don't think, about making a huge impact or being famous in this world, but I do hope to leave an essence of who I am and who the Creator is through me. If that's done by someone resting against a tree trunk and finding peace, then I think I've had a life well lived. The artist singing here is Charlie Sizemore. It's called Bristlecone Pine. Way up in the mountains on the high timber line there's a twisted old tree called the bristlecone pine The wind there is bitter, it cuts like a knife And it keeps that tree holding on for dear life 
world on it does Standing its ground Standing as empires rise and fall down When Jesus was gathering lambs to his fold This tree was already a thousand years old Now the way I have lived there ain't no way to tell When I die if I'm going to heaven or hell So when I'm laid to rest it would suit me just fine To sleep at the feet of the bristlecone pine For as I would slowly return to this earth What little this body of mine might be worth Would soon start to nourish the roots of that tree And it would partake of the essence of me And who knows but that as the centuries turn A small spark of me might continue to burn As long as the sun does continue to shine Down on the limbs of the bristlecone pine Now the way I have lived there ain't no way to tell When I die if I'm going to heaven or hell So when I'm laid to rest it would suit me just fine To sleep at the feet of the bristlecone pine Yes, I'd just as soon serve out eternity's time To sleep at the feet of the bristlecone Thanks, Savannah. Thanks for the story of your name, and thanks for the work you're doing in the world, and thanks for passing the music on. Thank you. And in closing, I'd just like to say this has been a great experience, and I invite people to do this with their friends, to come up with their favorite songs and get together for an evening of food and camaraderie and share their stories. I think it's a great way to know one another. Thanks again, Savannah. You've been listening to an interview with Savannah Ray of Unity Christ Center in Eau Claire. You can hear this program again via my website, northernspiritradio.org, and you can find a list of the music and other helpful information on that website as well. Song of the Soul is produced by Mark Helpsmeet. If you'd like to share your Song of the Soul with the listeners of WHYS-FM Radio, 
please contact me via my email address, helpsmeet at usa.net. That's H-E-L-P-S-M-E-E-T at usa.net. And please join me Sundays at 11 a.m. for Song of the Soul. You can be happy, let in the light, it will heal you. And you can feel you and sing out a song of the soul. And-